0: Chapter 18, Micaiah prophesies against Ahab. Now we have this weird word. I've got, it's French. I don't speak French, uh, but this is not an English word. So I'm going to attempt to say it. I believe it's pronounced rapprochement. Most of us who are like me from the Midwest would say reproachment, And I'm not going to criticize you if you do. Um, But this concept, which is not an English concept, is introduced into the account by Jehoshaphat with the royal families intermarrying, adopting the same names for their children. This is north and south now. Judah and Israel begin to merge, not politically, but at least socially. Um, They exchange visits, they go back and forth, same names for their children. We're going to have a weird thing coming up here where we've got Joram and Joram as the names for kings at the same time, one north and one south. So we usually misspell the king of Judah, Jehoram, just to keep them apart. You know, what else do you do? So somebody a long time ago, a translator said, I'm going to make this Jehoram. And then whenever he shows up, that's how we'll spell it, but the other guy will be Joram. But they had the same name actually. Uh, because the families liked the name. evidently the family liked a lot more than the names. There's weird stuff going on here that the families um, exchanged. And not what you might think. It's odd stuff, like their calendar. And which makes biblical chronology at this point really, really difficult. Um, So the two nations united in joint ventures for foreign trade made a common disposition of their forces in battle. Israel seemed to be the leading force in these matters of affiliation. That's a quote from this book. Edwin Teeley's The Mysterious Numbers of the Hebrew Kings. I've talked about this book before. (laughs) Jehoshaphat, do you recognize the picture? I'm going to just go past this and maybe leave it a mystery, or if we have time at the end and you want extra credit, I'll tell you who it is. Jehoshaphat, but it's a guy who was, in the beginning, theologically firm, and then he waffled later on. That's Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat had abundant riches and honor. He also formed a marriage alliance with Ahab. I don't think this was Jehoshaphat's wife. I think it was maybe his son that they, with the marriage a lot. For one thing, this thing with Ahab happens late in their reigns, uh, very late in Ahab's reign. Um, After some years passed, Jehoshaphat went down to visit Ahab in Samaria. That's Ahab's, of course, uh, Ahab's uh, uh, palace. And nearby was Naboth's vineyard. Ahab sacrificed sheep and cattle in great numbers for him and for the troops with him. So Ahab persuaded him to go up against Ramoth Gilead. Why would a visiting king care if you sacrificed a bunch of sheep and cattle? Well, what would we do if some visiting uh, person showed up with, you know, four hundred people? How do we feed them? That's what this is. It's this is the picnic. This is how we feed the troops. We sacrifice. If you sacrifice thank offerings. You get to keep the meat. So it's not everybody gets a leg of lamb. It's everybody gets a lamb. Then you go and slaughter it yourself. It's roasted or cooked or boiled, and then you eat it with the priest or whatever. But that's typical of these things. So Ahab persuaded him to go up to, against Ramoth Gilead just to move the map up. Do you see the Sea of Galilee up there in the upper center? And then you see the the only remarkable feature on the coastline of Israel is Mount Carmel. It sticks out there into the Mediterranean. Otherwise, it's all just the same. And then you see down at the bottom in the middle, you see, or on the left, you see Samaria near Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, although you can't read them very well because the map is blown up so much. And then obviously the big red circle is Ramoth-Gilead. So it's over on the edge. And uh, it's uh, the territory, the green territory here, it did not extend out that far at this time, so he's, he wants to conquer that and uh, and grab it. And so it's a reasonable request. I need, I need that town, so come and help me fight against it. After all, you've got the million troops, right? So come up here and, and give me a, a little hand. So Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me to Ramoth-Gilead? And this one attack is the whole basis for this chapter and um, is how Ahab dies. Um, so this is all leading up to. I'm, I know I'm spoiling it, but I, I need you to know what's going on here. Jehoshaphat answered him, "I am like you. My people are like your people. We are with you in the war." How would we say that in our culture? Allies, Allies. or what's mine is yours, that kind of thing, right? What? Oh, yeah, yeah, mikasa is sukasa, that kind of thing. My house is Sue's house? No. How do I, something else. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, please seek the word of the Lord today. What's Jehoshaphat's one and only concern? What does God's will say? Um, okay, this is Ahab. He's up north, right? He's in Samaria. That's my question. Where's Elijah? Elijah. Let's read on, okay? So, let's seek the word of the Lord today. The king of Israel assembled the prophets, 400 men. That is a a woodcut of this scene, by the way. There are the two kings. They sure don't look like Israelite kings, but more like, I don't know, French and English kings. But anyway, or German. Anyway, he said to them, the 400 prophets, should we go up to make war on Ramoth Gilead, or should I refrain? 400 prophets? Is that a lot of prophets up north? When's the last time we heard about a number of prophets from up north? How many prophets did Elijah face off against? 700. 700. But yeah, more than this. What happened to them? That, I believe, had already happened. Elijah, not too long ago, had killed the eight, the 700 prophets of Baal. Baal. Now the king of Israel has men he's summoning who claim that they are not prophets of Baal, but prophets of the Lord. But they're prophets in the Jeroboam sense of prophets. Remember Jeroboam, anybody and everybody who wants to be a priest of the Lord gets to be. That's who these guys are, these 400. It's a different group. Okay. They said... Go up. God will give it into the hand of the king. So the, the consensus of the false prophets is, God, yeah, go attack. You'll be, I mean, you've got a million troops. Go, you know, not, not counting our, our, our northern guys, right? you got a million and seven men here, you know, or whatever it was. But Jehoshaphat said, is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here? We should inquire from him. So Jehoshaphat recognizes that these are not true prophets. Um. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There still is one man from whom we could inquire of the Lord. I'm trying to be Ahab here. But I hate him because he doesn't prophesy anything good about me. He continually prophesies only bad things. He is, don't you expect him to say, Elijah, Elijah the Tishbite? But that's not what he says. He says he is Micaiah son of Imlah. Where is Elijah. I think it's not a maybe. Chronologically, I think it can only be one of two things. After the Mount Carmel incident, Elijah ran. And he ran down to Mount Horeb, which is Sinai. And he was there for a while. And then he came back. Do you remember what God told him to do when he came back? He goes to anoint Elisha. And so either he's still down at Sinai or he's on his way back up specifically to anoint Elisha. That's, I believe, why they're not in this account. They're not part of it. So it's this other prophet, Micaiah. And I say it because there's almost no time for Ahab. This is the very end of Ahab's life. We're days away from Ahab dying. So where can we possibly be in this story? It's got to be about there. So, which is, by the way, I have the year somewhere on here, don't I? It's, anyway, it's around 850. Um, maybe it's not on your sheet. It's around 850 BC. And there, a whole lot of things happened before this that I didn't cover because they're not in Chronicles, they're only in Kings, but they're, they're pretty wild. And things got as bad in Israel at, politically as they were in what I believe in recent history was the most dangerous year in American history, when our country almost blew itself apart, when there were murders happening in the news every day, and political murders. 1968. 1968. Who was the big murder of that year, the two big ones? No, he was, that was 63, but Bobby... Bobby Kennedy and wasn't Malcolm X also? And when did when did Martin Luther King get killed? Was it also sixty eight? So all those guys in sixty eight, and uh, and so and there was more, and there were there were things going on that were just terrifying in those days. I remember I was four years old, and my mother wouldn't let me go outside sometimes. You know, it's just too dangerous. We had uh, we had our own Woodstock in my hometown. Um, and mom thought the hippies would kidnap me and take me away as a gypsy child or something, so I couldn't go out and play. Recording, Okay, Micaiah, son of Imla. Yes, it is for the recording. Jehoshaphat said the king should not talk like that about a bad prophet or a prophet doesn't like. So the king of Israel summoned one of his officials and said, quickly bring Micaiah, son of Imla, here. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes, they were sitting by the threshing floor at the entrance to the gate of Samaria and all the prophets were prophesying before them. It must have been a, just, a, just a din, just a cacophony of babbling nonsense. Who would want to listen to that? Um, uh, Zedekiah, son of excuse me, had made iron horns for himself. Can you see him clearly there in the picture? Okay, I'll do that. I'll go back and back. It's that guy. Do you see him? Kind of a three D effect. Okay. Anyway, it's that guy. He makes iron horns. From very popular among artists because they get to draw horns on a guy. By the way, if you ever see a carving or a painting of Moses with horns, do you know why? Because, corne, which is means corona or shining is the same word as corni which means horns in latin and there's a misunderstanding of moses had a radiant face when he came down the mountain and people who didn't speak very much latin they were kind of caught in a backwater latin they thought that moses grew horns when he was talking to the lord and that they disappeared so they were they would like teleco, telescope out like my old uh my old uh uh, AM radio antenna would go out and then come back in and go out and come back in and mom would say don't play with that it'll break and of course it did and, uh, but that, yeah but that's, that's why Moses has horns especially in the big carving of Moses by uh, is it by Michelangelo the, the, the great marble carving of Moses has Moses with horns that's, that's Moses anyway this guy actually had horns uh, iron horns he made for himself so Zedekiah uh, son of kenna had made iron horns for himself, and he said, "This is what the Lord said: With these you will gore the Arameans until they are destroyed." It's nice, like a children's devotion, you know. I've never made iron horns for a children's devotion. <laughs> Stand back, kids, you know. They it soon. all the prophets were pro- Oh, uh, all the prophets were prophesying in the same way. Go up to Ramath Gilead in triumph for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. They all just want to tag along with him there. The messenger who was sent to summon Micaiah said to him, pay attention to the words of the prophets. With one mouth, they are promising good things to the king. Please, your words should be like the words of one of them. You should say something good. So the messenger is giving the prophet his message. Is that how prophets get their messages? But Micaiah said, as surely as the Lord lives, Whatever my God says, that is what I will say. Then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, should we go to Ramoth-Gilead for battle, or should I refrain? Micaiah answered him, Go up and triumph, they'll be given into your hand. What, What do we call that kind of language? It's not common in the Bible, but it happens occasionally in the mouth of Paul. And here... Sarcasm, this is sarcasm. Yeah, sure, go ahead. I'd love to see you go into battle against the, the, uh, the Arameans. king. Okay. The king said to him, how many times, and the king doesn't buy it. You, that, that's how we know it's sarcasm, is not even Ahab buys it. So how many times must I make you swear to me that you will tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So Micaiah said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountain like sheep that have no shepherd. The Lord said they have no masters. Let each one return to his home in peace. What does that mean? It's pretty clear, but... Who are the, what are the sheep? They're the stragglers of the army. Who are the shepherds who are not with the sheep anymore? the kings and the leaders and the generals and all those guys. These, it, it, your soldiers are going to come walking back like sheep who, uh, the shepherd is, is gone and the sheep kind of wander home because they think it's time for supper. You know, that's, that's what's going to happen at the end of this battle. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you that he does not prophesy anything good about me, but only bad? I hope we have enough time for this next section. Micaiah proclaimed, now hear the word of the Lord. Some of you have probably read this in Kings, maybe in here in Chronicles also, but this is the short little account of the lying angel. So twice in the Bible, we get into the throne room, God, throne room of God and God is asking the angels, what should I do, this or that? One of them is in what book? The more famous one. Revelation. No, God only proclaims in Revelation, but he actually is holding court and the angels are coming to prostrate them and another angel wanders in. It's Job. Yeah, this happens in Job, Job 1 and 2. Now this happens here in Chronicles, just a couple of verses, but a similar scene. Micaiah proclaimed, now hear this word from the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, I have a picture in a second, and the whole army of heaven was standing on his right and his left. So here you have this, I like this depiction. It's kind of cloudy. There's the bright light of the throne of God. You can see the throne at the top has kind of a top and everything. Why the big scrolls? It's the word of God, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, you got the the... the, the, the Feathery angels there and one individual prostrating himself. Big, big old golden staircase and all that. I hope there aren't a lot of stairs in heaven. <laughs> the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab, king of Israel, so that he goes up and falls at Ramoth Gilead? It was, it was, it was Ahab's time. God was saying, Ahab's time is done. One spirit said this. Another one said that. God listens. Finally, a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. The Lord said to him, how? Is all that on there? Yes. By the way, who's the stairway in heaven? Jesus. Jesus, yeah. The only way in. And by his command, the angels come out, but the only way. Different chapter. He said, I will go and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. The Lord said, you will entice him successfully. Go do that. Now, who is this angel? Could he be the devil? Could be. Could he be an ordinary angel? Yeah, he could be. He could be one or the other. Um, And and the term lying spirit is, is a translation issue maybe, but... He's going to go and tell him, go do this, because it's God's will that he goes and does it. So that's what his will is. But a lot of, of, of good theologians, smarter than men than me, think that this could also be Satan. Satan does show up in Job, you know, and talks about what's going to happen with the people, and God gives him permission, and here the Lord gives permission. So it's very similar texts. So it could be one or the other. And I'm of, 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 of no serious emotions about which one this is. I'm okay either way. Now look, the Lord has put a lying spirit into the mouth of all your prophets for the Lord has decreed disaster for you. That's Now Micaiah is actually giving all this away to Ahab. If you go, you're dead man. Then Zedekiah... I said this is a popular thing among artists. Zedekiah, son of son of Kenaena, came over and struck Micaiah on his cheek. All right. Uh, then Zedekiah came over, struck Micaiah on his cheek, and said, Where okay, this this half verse, where is this pathway on which the Spirit of the Lord has traveled from me to speak to you? Should we pick that apart? The false prophet is saying, where's the pathway that God took because he always talks through me and now you think he's talking through you. You know, it, the, I mean, this, is, this, this lying prophet Zedekiah is basically saying, who died and made you the best prophet in the world? And of course, what's the answer? Well, you're about to, you know. All right. Micaiah said you'll see on the day you go into the inner room to hide. A little extra prophecy there to chill your bones. Then the king of Israel said, Seize Micaiah and take him back to Ammon. This is not King Ammon. That's a long way from now. The administrator of the city and to Joash, son of the king. That is the Joash. Oh, did I, did I say Joram before? Joash is the name. Because there's a Joram, Jehoram thing later and there's a Joash, Jehoash thing now. Sorry about that, I got that wrong. Son of the king. You are to say to them, this is what the king says, put this man in prison and feed him nothing more than bread and water till I come back safely. (laughs) Micaiah said, (laughs) oh great. (laughs) Micaiah said, if you ever come back safely, then the Lord has not spoken through me. He also said, hear this, you people, all of you. A little pause, you'd think, like, but he he gets swept up in it, and he's he's, he's getting older, and he's in his later fifties. He's, you know, things are things were going well for him earlier, and now he's into this whole, um, what what's the word? The French word I can't pronounce. Reprochement. It's all about let's let's get it. You know, this is this is that's that's what America did with what country after World War Two. Germany. We got to be pals with Germany. We didn't with Russia. Of course, we weren't fighting against Russia in World War II. We were fighting with them. But we didn't quite do the same thing with Japan. We did it with Germany. And, and, and there was all kinds of back and forth. And now, U.S.-German relations? Better than almost any other country in Europe apart from England, right? So, yeah. So now, okay, let's get to Ahab here. A couple of verses left. Then oh I forgot about this. Then the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat king of Judah went up to Ramoth-Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, "I will disguise myself when I go into the battle and but you wear your robes." So the king of Israel disguised himself and they went into battle. This is I had a friend like this in high school too. You know, "Hey, I want to buy a really cool car. Sorry you don't have a car yet, but will you co-sign the loan for me?" Yeah. I actually had that friend. And you know what? I was naive enough that I did it. And then the collection agency got after me, of course. Um, yeah. His his dad took care of all of that. But I learned a lesson I'll never forget. So, yeah. So, no longer wear your robes, but wear the other robes instead. So, I'll just... Uh, I'll just do that one more time for those of you who maybe missed it. And I'll just go on. The king of Aram had ordered his chariot commanders, do not. It took me a long time to find those two similar pictures. Anyway, the king of Aram had ordered his chariot commanders, do not fight against anyone, whether small or great, but only against the king of Israel. When the chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat, they said, that's the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him. Why? You need enemies if you have friends like that. Jehoshaphat cried out and the Lord helped him. God drew them away from him. Then the chariot commanders realized he was not the king of Israel, or rather when they did, and they stopped pursuing him. But a man shot an arrow at random. I shot an arrow into the air. Where it landed? I I know not where. I know not where. Okay. Because my brother would say, I just don't care. When he you know, shooting at me. So a man shot an arrow at random and struck the king of Israel in the seam between two parts of his armor. Yep. Ahab said to the chariot driver, turn around and take me out of the battle because I have been wounded. So he gets out of the battle, but the battle increased in intensity all that day. The king of Israel was propped up in his chariot facing Aram until evening. He died at sunset. I'm going to just sneak into chapter 19 here for two or three verses. Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, returned to his house in Jerusalem safely. So he gets out and goes home. And I, in, in my question about where is Elijah, I know that once in a while we get the impression in the Bible that Elijah and Elisha, of course they're kings, they're, they're, they're prophets of the north, right? As was uh, a contemporary of Elijah uh, is probably Joel. And then about this time, Obadiah, and who's next after Obadiah? Jonah. So uh, all about this time, Jonah is actually a little bit down the road here with King Jeroboam II, but he's probably born about now. But the question about, were there any prophets down in Judah at this time? And there has been all the while. Chronicles tells us, okay, he didn't write a book of the Bible, But he's been there the whole time. And that was Hanani. Remember that name, Hanani? So it's been a while though. So now we have his son. Jehu, son of Hanani the seer, went out to meet King Jehoshaphat and said to him, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Because of this, wrath from the Lord is upon you. Nevertheless, good things are present in you because you destroyed the Asherah poles from the land and have set your heart to seek God. So there was trouble coming for Jehoshaphat. That's going to be in chapters 19 and 20 then next time. But for now, the battle is over. Ahab has died. There isn't anything good in store for Jezebel. Um, isn't that the defenestration? Yes. Where uh, she gets pitched out the window and so forth. And uh, Yeah. Um, We don't really have time for this. I'll do it anyway. I wanted to go back to that year 885 B.C. because we have an awful lot of kings of Israel that have come and gone between Baasha and Ahab. And they didn't even get mentioned in Chronicles. So when Baasha dies, his son, Elah, becomes king of Israel. But he's murdered the following year by a guy named Zimri. Zimri is the seven days wonder. He's king for a week. And then he's killed by Omri. Um, and Omri, then, is the guy who's going to have the dynasty. The only dynasty in the northern kingdom is Omri, whose family goes... How many victories do you have to have to be a dynasty? Well, you talk to football fans. One Super Bowl! But, <laughs> no, it, but it, a dynasty is where you have a succession of fathers to sons. Omri... Son, grandson, great-grandson. So they're, they're called the Omrids. And Ahab is the second one. So King Omri. But before we get to Omri, he has a rival for a while, a guy named Timni, Tibney rather, who dies. And we're not told in the Bible how he dies, but he's the rival king of Omri. So how did Tibni probably die? You know, I don't know. head in his bed. I don't know what it was or whatever it was. But then Omri is a soul. And all of that, by the way, happened in 885. That terrible year um, up north where things were just, it just ran, the rivers of blood coming down the mountains in 885 BC. Then in 874, finally, Omri dies. And now Ahab has become king. But now we're at the other end of Ahab's reign in uh, around 850 or 851. But I wanted to at least just show you this um, because of so much. We learn so much in Chronicles here that's not in Kings, but there are things in Kings that are not here in Chronicles as well. And uh, that brings us, next time we'll do chapters 19 and 20, second part of Jeho- Jehoshaphat's reign. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.